on today's player pool, we go from concepts of the player pool to actual lineups. I'm going to use the player pool I created and show you how you go from page to actual lineup. We're going to build a quarterback game stack lineup and a naked quarterback lineup. You're allowed to be naked in the pool as far as I'm concerned. Let's dive in. It's the Player Pool Podcast with your host, Austin Raboy. Welcome back to the Player Pool Podcast, the only podcast just trying to give you all the power, trying to make you the best DFS player you can be. Follow our stats, follow our guidelines, and apply yourself, and you're going to have so, so, so much fun this NFL season. We have a lot to cover. We have a lot. We only have two more episodes until we are in the lead up to week one and doing our week one preparation. So we have today's episode, which will, is a Friday. We'll have Tuesday's episode to wrap up. And then a week from today, we'll be in week one preparation mode. So I only have two more episodes to convey as much of this process to you before we are, we are in the game. It is game time and it's time to go and rock and roll. So I envision we have a lot to cover. So that's why I'm breaking up this podcast into part one and part two. Because we got to bring this concept of the player pool to the page. We got to start creating some lineups at the end of this whole thing. So today I'm going to focus on getting you there. So we will mainly try to get there today through two lineup builds. And then wrap up any loose ends about lineup building on Tuesday's show in part two. As well as cover player exposures. How to cover those exposures. We're also going to talk about contest selection. Equally important. You can make the best five, six, seven, eight, nine lineups, but if you shoot them into the wrong contest, it, it's wasted. So we'll cover that as well Tuesday before we we jump into the real deal heading into week one. Uh, if you haven't already, we're on Spotify. We're on Apple Podcasts. The numbers are going up, and we love seeing that. We want more people. We want this to be a community where we can bounce ideas off each other. Uh, the mailbag is starting to get more traffic too. People pointing things out to me. It's been super helpful. It's making me, I think, a better teacher in this podcast by knowing what I'm missing or or what are some uh, questions that are still out there. So uh, make sure you know to find us on Spotify, the Player Pool. Uh, just make sure you're following there. That way, when a new episode drops, we'll come straight to you. Likewise on Apple Podcasts. Make sure you click subscribe. Uh, that really helps get get our stuff out there, and I I greatly appreciate it. One last thing before we get started, as promised, we are going to start putting visual examples out on the player pool social media accounts. So make sure you have us on Facebook. We have a page there, the player pool. On Twitter and Instagram, we are at player pool pod. So make sure you're following those accounts and we'll start posting pictures of last year player pool and as well as visual guides on what we're looking for in each player, a list of definitions, the whole nine yards. We're trying to get all that out this afternoon, so make sure you're following. And before we get down to business, I wanna address the news that broke last night concerning Cooper Cup and the Rams. So it looks like Cooper Cup has that dreaded late stage and training camp hamstring issue that already sprung up a few weeks ago and it seems to be bothering him again now. That makes me incredibly worried for him going into this season, given that he is a Slate breaker, that is a player that if you go in on him, 
it can completely upend and ruin your lineup if he completely comes out and just is ineffective. So at this point, given my experience in history, seeing these types of injuries coming out of camp, I would classify Cooper Cup as a slate breaker, or I'm sorry, not as a slate breaker, as a wait and see, unless in the week leading up to week one, there is significant reporting that he is kicking ass in camp. You need to have clear in a way that all engines are firing. I need to see Jay Glazer on the Fox pregame show saying with a big green graphic that Cooper Cup is in and ready to go. It has to be a no-doubter that he is at least close to full speed. So these hamstring injuries cannot be messed with. When they affect slate breakers, it can really ruin a player pool build because of how much importance we put on slate breakers. But at this time, I wouldn't view him as a slate breaker till he sh- they show that he is back 100%. That also carries into the probably the last update we're going to hear about Jonathan Taylor before the season kicks off. He's going to be on the physically unable to perform list, which means he's out for the first four games of the year. How does that affect DFS? It's different than the rest of football takes because in season-long fantasy, that's catastrophic to, the, to Jonathan Taylor's fantasy uh, team owner, you know, who has him on his team. But in DFS, it's actually a positive because it removes the slate breaker from the board and it lowers our risk that one of the slate breakers that maybe you couldn't fit into a lineup goes off and leaves you behind. So on a DFS level, not having Jonathan Taylor actually on the slate week one makes it easier. I've gotten a couple notes from listeners that I wanted to go through first before we get going. Uh, This came from Max, who is so helpfully fact-checking me as I go. So last episode, I had mentioned that Kellen Moore, the new offensive coordinator for the Los Angeles Chargers, was the Statue of Liberty play quarterback at Boise State. That it was inaccurate. He followed that quarterback. That quarterback was actually Jared Zabransky. Kellen Moore was the start of the year after. I would say my point's still the same. He was in that atmosphere that would run a play like that, and that ingenuity is obvious in his play calling. Also, thank you, Max. He pointed out that Eagles tight end Dallas Godair does not have that cool or Rico Suave sound of a last name. It's Godert. So I think 90% of you probably knew that, and 89% of you decided uh, not to call me out on that. But please do. Please please contact me. Email the player pool podcast at Gmail. Uh, help me get better as I try to help you get better. I really appreciate that. I caught a good question in the mailbag. The question was, are we adding to or maintaining the same player pool throughout the year? No, we are not. Every single week, sometime around Thursday or Friday, you sit down in your journal, two blank pages of paper, and you recreate an entire player pool from scratch. So you're not maintaining one player pool all year. You start over every single week. And the player pool you have should only have the players that are in the slate you are planning on playing. If you want to play the afternoon slate that has four games in it, you need to create an entirely new player pool to make those lineups. And the why behind that should be very obvious by the end of today's episode. I think that does it for housekeeping. It's been long enough. Let's start building some lineups. So this is what it's going to look like in this season. By now at this point of what we're about to do, you have created your player pool. You have written down all of the 
players' prices next to their names. You've gone through with two highlighters. You have highlighted every player that you like, that you prefer, and you've highlighted all the slate breakers. You also, at this point, should have in the bottom right of your player pool a defense, small defense column, and all defenses that you wrote down that you thought had a good matchup and their price. That should all be laid out in front of you. These players should have all their symbols next to them, stud, negative matchup, value, etc. By now, your player pool should be completed. Now you should have a contest open, ready to build a lineup on FanDuel or DraftKings in your player pool journal in front of you. For, the, for today's purposes, I'm gonna be building off FanDuel. So I have my journal in front of me right now, and I have a cleared out lineup on FanDuel in front of me. So step one, you need to lay the foundation, which means you need to plug in your cheapest tight end option your cheapest viable defense option. So for today, I have identified the Seattle Seahawks defense at 4,200 as the cheapest viable defense. I'm gonna plug that in, and I'm also going to plug in the lowest, absolute lowest value at tight end, because what do we do to tight end, everybody? We disrespect the tight end position. So. This week, I have rookie Luke Musgraves of the Green Bay Packers at 4,500. I'm going to go ahead and plug him in as well. Next, so there's, there's your foundation. Next, you need to get to your base, which means whether you're doing a stacked QB stacks lineup or you're playing a naked QB, you gotta make that choice now. And I'm gonna walk through both. So first, I'm gonna walk through a QB stacked build. So I have chosen, as an example today, I'm gonna to go with the LA Chargers, and I am instantly, without worrying about salary, plugging in the strongest Charger stack that I believe in, which is Justin Herbert, Austin Eckler, and Keenan Allen. That is subject to change week to week, but heading into week one, that's what I'm comfortable with. And since we're stacking this game, you then need to look down at your player pool. You're pulling these players from your player pool. Look down at your player pool now at this point and see, is there a Dolphins player that is either a slate breaker, a stud, or a highlighted Dolphins player that I can run back on this stack? And sure enough, there he is. Slate breaker, Tyreek Hill. Now I select Tyreek and there we have it already. We have nine options that we needed to decide and we already have one, two, three, four, five, six, six of nine already preset and decided for us. Now comes the hard part. We need to cover or fill our exposures. We need to start making plugins and trying to play as much of a spread of our player pool as we can. So since this is the first lineup build, at this point, it's not so important. You really are just trying to make the biggest, baddest, sexiest lineup from this point. But later, as your lineups have been built, you're going to want to start kind of varying these players in each lineup. So you'll see an example of that towards the end of this episode. But uh, for, the, for the purposes of this build, I ended up plugging Khalil Herbert, who was a preferred player in my player pool. I have him marked down as a value play. He's highlighted as preferred. 
He's a value play to me, and I marked him down as a matchup plus. So I want a little bit of Herbert heading into the week. So I need to find him real quick and enter him in there. Okay, now I've entered another player, and would you look at that? I got a Luke Musgrave, Green Bay tight end, running it back against Khalil Herbert. You can get some of those micro stacks within lineups, and if you can layer those two or even three times across three games, those are sweet, sweet lineups. But the salary, the salary has to work for you to get there. So going to keep working here and this was a hard build i think i put my foot in my mouth a few episodes ago when i was going through the previews of wide receivers and running backs uh, i thought that this would be a play whoever you want week it was tough to make these lineups so when i'm stumped building a lineup at this point i will look at the wide receiver three slot and i'll really dig for value so at this point i shouldn't be looking anywhere else but my player pool and so here i am i go to my player pool and I am looking, because I still have a flex position to fill, and I only have 11300 left in salary, which comes to a 5650 average per player. We are not living in stud land anymore. I mean, these are tough value picks that we're already left with, but we only have two to go. So anyway, here I am. I'm back in my player pool, and I'm scouring the pages, running back and wide receiver, because I need a wide receiver and a flex. Now, again, I'll say when you're stumped, try to punt – wide receiver three, fill flex strongly and work from there. So I'm looking for the lowest plug-in wide receiver three here. And in my player pool, who I already identified prior, I have Marvin Mims, now the wide receiver two, because Jerry Judy went down, the wide receiver two, largely unknown, but he's going to play for the Denver Broncos week one, and he'll be on the field a lot. And all I'm seeking here is opportunity. Marvin Mims, I have him listed as a value plus value. I have the symbol next to him twice because his price is so low. It is only 4700 That is great for a starting player at any position. So now I have one spot left to fill, the flex spot. I have 6600 Again, I go to my player pool and I'm looking at running backs and wide receivers. And I struggled at this point in the build because I didn't love anybody in the 6600 range. I have a preference to play three running backs in a lineup. I almost always try to plug in a running back in the flex spot unless I can get a clear and away stud wide receiver and run four stud wide receivers in a lineup, which occasionally happens when the salary works. But in this build, I wasn't in love with any options in the 6600 range, 6,000 to 6,600. Some options I had were DJ Moore at 6,300. I didn't love that. Mike Evans at 6,500. I'm, I'm afraid of the risk, although I do have him ID'd as a value play. So because I prefer running backs anyway, I looked over at my running back column, and I did see that Raheem Mostert, who with new news today of Jeff Wilson being placed in the IR, and as of today, the Dolphins haven't signed another running back. Raheem Mostert, as of today, looks like a good play in there he's only 5900 too and what's the other beauty of having the dolphins running back in that spot it's another game stack on my core my base chargers stack so now by picking moster i have moster and tyree kill versus herbert eckler and allen and if that that dolphins chargers game becomes a shootout this lineup is going to the absolute moon.
And that's why stacking and finding those micro stacks within your lineup are so important because that happens a lot. So here's my lineup now, it is done. And just to kind of recap, my base stack is Herbert, Eckler, Allen, Tyree Kill, and then a roundabout way, Raheem Mostert came up. And then I have a micro stack within this lineup with Khalil Herbert running back for the Bears and Luke Musgrave tied in for the Packers. Now, here's the interesting thing. I have 700 in salary left over after this game stack. So the last part, the last step in building a lineup is raise the foundation. So at the very beginning here, we laid the foundation with our cheap tight end and our cheap defense. So I'm gonna go right now, and I did this in real, in real time when I was building these two lineups we're go going to discuss today. I'm gonna to go ahead and remove the Seahawks defense and move up to a 4,900 Washington Commanders defense, which is playing the Arizona Cardinals week one at home. And by all news and accounts, that looks like uh, it's gonna be a disaster. So I'm gonna go ahead and upgrade for now to the Washington Commanders. And right there is my completed lineup. So again, I laid the foundation with the viable defense that was cheap and a cheap tight end. Then I got to my base by choosing a quarterback game stack and, and stacked two of his teammates with him. And look at the quality of teammates I was able to stack with an already stud quarterback. I got a slate breaker covered now in Austin Eckler, and I got a high-end stud in Keenan Allen already covered. But as the late, great Billy Mays once said, but wait, there's more. Because following my game stack instructions, I was also able to, as a base stack, add a second slate breaker into this lineup in Tyreek Hill. So that was me getting to my base. The reason we compartmentalize these different steps is because you never want to get away from the core idea of that lineup. So building your base, getting to your base, gave me those four players, of which two were slate breakers, one was a stud, and of course we got Herbert at quarterback. And now we need to compartmentalize and move to the next stage where you are picking value plays and maybe players with less ceiling but you're still focused on that specific topic without making concessions to that base game stack i hope you guys are following me here so again what i've seen over the years happen here is players will create their base the guys that they started out wanting to have and then they get to the second stage where they now have way less salary and these decisions are a little more painful and less sure and instead of making those painful decisions based out of the player pool they will make concessions so i've seen guys they would have instead of having tyreek hill now they drop down to Jalen waddle or instead of keenan allen oh now we have mike williams or instead of austin eckler in the stack let's take him out entirely because he's 9k and just put keenan allen and mike williams in there which is a less efficient stack so that is why you have to move step by step and when you leave that step so when you've made your base and now you're going to cover your exposures and fill in the holes you have to live there and not go back and mess with your base at least as far as week one goes but the key concepts of the player pool and player selection will stick with you because you already made your player pool 
So you're not going to go from playing with the salaries and making these tough decisions and just reaching and grabbing a player out of nowhere. You're stuck with what you went into this lineup build with, with what's on the page. You shouldn't at this point, really, unless news has broken to change something, you should not alter the player pool from this point. I had to go straight to the pages and play the players that I had. Now, that's not to say if mid-build, you learn about Marvin Mims Jr. for the first time and you realize that's a great play. Still write them down. But when you're in this struggle, you shouldn't be hunting out in the in the unknown anymore. You should only be trying to make it work within your player pool. So the concept still applied here too. I was able to take another preferred off my list. And I'm always trying to work off the preferred players first. So I was able to get another preferred player off my list with Herbert. That was great. And again, beautiful game stack there. And finding my value there at wide receiver three allowed me to then get to a running back that, again, stacks up actually with my base. So sometimes you will have your base stack, and as you keep on fiddling, you realize maybe a 3v2 stack isn't so bad, especially when your options are getting pretty limited. And I would much rather live and die with a 3v2 stack over just another dart throw you know i could have went mike evans and just hoped i was right in that individual role but if the dolphin chargers game just takes off that should cover the running back scoring and that should cover tyree kill and and most are too at 5900 you're only looking for you know a little over 11 points from him which is super doable so that is the player pool process kind of carrying you almost to the finish line and i only had to make a couple tough choices and I had to be really good at IDing one value play. Uh, Marvin Mims really opens up a lot this week, I think. And again, lastly, just to reiterate, and I know I'm kind of repeating myself, but I just want to really massage all this in. Once I was done and I had the 700 salary up, it's really whatever you want. I mean, you, I could have upgraded Luke Musgraves, but then I would have ruined my, my mini game stack with Herbert. So that's why I ended up choosing to upgrade defenses. So now let's look at a build where we are playing a quarterback naked. So playing a quarterback naked, you make that choice, one, because it's a running quarterback and he by himself can get his 20 points and probably more to 30. When I'm playing Lamar Jackson and Justin Fields, I'm expecting 25 points and half of those points coming via rushing stats. Also, when you play a quarterback naked, you kind of just need to pluck a couple slate breakers out of your player pool. This playing quarterbacks naked is supposed to help you play those tough players to reach. So uh, as an example, you know, and I'm going to walk through a Justin Fields build here, but as an example, I'm using, I picked Justin Fields. I'm going to go ahead and pluck Derrick Henry because he's kind of hard to just fit in willy nilly, or he's really hard to play in a very deep game stack. He's also not a running back that is going to stack with this quarterback because they don't throw to him. So I'm going to take care of Derrick Henry in one of my uh, naked QB stacks. Another player all year that you'll see is Justin Jefferson. Uh, while he could be a great run back stack player like we did with Tyreek Hill and that Charger stack, Ty uh, Justin Jefferson is oftentimes going to be stacked up with a naked quarterback just because it's hard to correlate his success and Kirk Cousins' success because, again, Kirk, Kirk is just a pure pocket passer. It takes him so many stats just to break 20 points. And we already covered how often he truly breaks that 20-point mark in a season. So that's a good thing. When, you, when, when you're when you done, and I usually actually build my quarterback stack lineups first. Then I go and look at what slate breakers weren't touched. 
and then I'll start doing the naked lineup builds and, and, and kind of forcing in those slate breakers and working from that spot. So anyway, back to the back to the same thing though. To start this lineup build, I started by laying the foundation. Re, again, I plugged in, and you'll do this a lot. You will repeat the same foundation every lineup build. So I plugged in Seattle Seahawks and Luke Musgrave again, and now it's still time to get to your base. But a naked quarterback is a different looking base. So I plugged in Justin Fields and I marked down Derrick Henry, and it's time to work from there. That's my base, though. It's just Justin Fields and Derrick Henry. What's going to happen next is a lot of correlation. So I keep saying cover your exposures. Another way I should be saying it is just look for micro correlations. So I'm looking at my player pool now with just Justin Fields, Derrick Henry, Musgrave, and the Seahawks picked, and I'm looking for a player that would complement or correlate to Derrick Henry who the lineup is basically built around. So I'm looking over at wide receivers and highlighted in blue, I do have as a preferred pick, Chris Olave. So instantly I plug him in blindly, not worried about the salary hit yet. But now at this point in the build, the salary is already getting pretty low and it's getting scary in here. So I always leave the flex spot for the very last position fill because it gives you the flexibility of running back wide receiver. So I really start looking at this time at the second running back slot. You don't want to get too crafty with running backs. You don't want to get too risky. They have to be in your player pool. And still looking for some mini stacks. I'm going to go ahead and go with a guy who I did not have. I, and let me say that again. I did not have this player. I did not have Aaron Jones highlighted as a preferred player. But he made my player pool. And his price to me is, is, has a potential to hit value with some ceiling. He is still marked down as a stud because he's a stud football player in his own right. I also had him marked down as a matchup plus because the Chicago Bears defense was not sturdy at all last year. So that is a defense that can give up stats and points. He also correlates well with Justin Fields. If Justin Fields you know, gets going, Aaron Jones as a pass down running back with a first-year quarterback starter at least you know I mean I envision him getting a lot of opportunities there so it all goes together it all correlates the game script truly one way or another it's going to complement between Fields and Aaron Jones either the Packers get up early and it's a high likelihood that maybe one of those early scores is an Aaron Jones score and then Justin Fields has to drop back and and do you know his thing and rush around all game or the Bears come out and they're up all game and Aaron Jones now is the pass that, you know, the passing running back out of the backfield. So I love that little mini game stack there. That's why I went ahead, based off the player pool, I plugged in Aaron Jones at that RB2 spot. So again, look what we've done to correlation here. We have Fields, Aaron Jones, and Musgrave. All We have like a little three-player game stack in there. At the same time, we have a two-player game stack in Derrick Henry and Chris Olave. And look at the beauty of that mini stack as well if Tennessee comes out and gets ahead early Derrick Henry's going to run down the Saints throw all game he's going to get all his touches at the same time Chris Olave is going to get all the targets he can handle going up against Tennessee's pass funnel defense it's a beautiful thing you can get beautiful correlations in these lineups and it's just so awesome uh, so now at this point I still have three slots to fill I have the wide receiver two spot to fill wide receiver three spot to fill, and the flex spot to fill. And the salary is getting super low. 
but I still want to have a strong wide, re wide receiver two option. So at this point, I, I didn't know what I could do, who I could reach. So I went back to the well and I plugged Marvin Mims Jr. at 4,700. Plugged him back into the wide receiver three spot purely to make my own assessment on who I could reach. So I was like, who can I play? I have no idea. Let's just see how much salary there could be if I'm playing one absolute value pump play. In comes Marvin Mims. And now I'm looking back at my player pool and I realize I can get Devontae Adams and still have around 7,000 left over in salary. And Devontae Adams on the Ravers, Raiders playing Denver Broncos week one. What do we have there again? If for some reason that becomes a shootout, which is unlikely, but it's possible, I have two players in that game now as well that can go back and forth on each other. So maybe not as efficient of a game stack and do not seek the, the, a game stack out with the Denver Broncos until they show that that Sean Payton uh, medicine is, has taken hold. But, hey, it's better than nothing. And what else did I just do there again? I just knocked out another slate breaker. I got a second slate breaker in Devontae Adams in this lineup. And he kind of has correlation with my wide receiver three. It's a beautiful thing. Now I am left with 7,100. And all I have left is the flex spot. So, again, my preference is to look or a running back for that flex spot first. Especially when I don't have high, high salary to go get a slate-breaking wide receiver, I'm always going to go for a running back that's going to get 15 to 20 touches in a game over a wide receiver that could get seven, you know, eight targets. That's just, that's how I play. And you guys may be different, but personal preference, I'm always, I'm always trying to run three running backs if I can help it. But those running backs have to make sense. So this took me a while to arrive at because I only have – one, two, three, four, five running backs even marked as preferred. And of those five, three are slate breakers. So there I am with 7,100 in salary, which is more than usual for your final pick. And I cannot put my finger on anybody. I didn't really want to. I started looking at Tyler Lockett, who was in my player pool, and he's marked down as preferred at 6,800. But I didn't want to play Tyler Lockett when I'm playing the Seattle Seahawks defense. And that's when... The light bulb came on in my head because there's another this is a nice little tip for running back correlation but a home running back who was favored in a game coupled with his team's defense is a good correlation because basically what that says is his team is going to be up then they're going to run the ball to, to control the ball and at the same time the defense will be on the field for less time and they're also when they are on the field going to be in the higher risk pass situations, able to put their, put their ears down and go after the quarterback, force fumbles, force sacks, uh, and, and force interceptions that could lead to touchdowns. So home, home team running back with his home team defense is a good correlation, especially when they're favorites. The Seattle Seahawks are favorites over the Rams week one. So Kenneth Walker, the third, with my prayers up that Zach Charbonnet doesn't come and eat his opportunities up. But I plugged him in at 7,100. He's a stud running back. He made my player pool as a stud running back. I marked down a note next to him as potential negative opportunity given Charbonnet's presence. But this, given the correlation, given the, the pinch I'm in to finish off this lineup, I felt good about putting Kenneth Walker in. So, again, just to review this lineup, a naked Justin Fields build ends up having four correlations or game stacks within it. 
it's not just randomly trying to select the best nine picks in a lineup. Every pick can bounce off and feed off another, given how that football game is going to go. It's a beautiful thing. So ideally, you're going to do this up to five lineups per week. And for the purposes of this example or this demonstration, here I am now. I've built two lineups, and I'm looking at them both, and we're done. Oh, wait. No, we are not done. Because now as I look at both of these lineups, I see a big, big issue. And you may have this issue across five of your lineups all at the same time. Can you guess what the issue is in these two lineups? The issue is I have Marvin Mims and Luke Musgrave in both of these lineups. So what I did to cre create more diversity and to help my exposures be able to play more defenses or, or different players is I went back to the Herbert lineup, the Chargers stack lineup. And at first I wanted to get rid of Marvin Mims Jr. Because it is an unknown and his price is very low, but you don't know. He could get three targets or five. And when you're a mega value play like this, it's okay. Like you're okay with that amount of targets, but it was an unknown. So I tried my best. I, I reset the defense down to the Seattle Seahawks and and then I tried to look down at my player pool and see if I could find anybody at 5,400 or below that just, just I would have changed it to anybody at fit, that was at 5,400 or below that made my player pool. But nobody, no receiver I have was at 5,400. Van Jefferson was at 5,500 5, as a value. And, oh, I wish I could sneak him in here, uh, but I'm not going to be able to. So I gave up on trying to get rid of or change out Marvin Mims out of the Herbert lineup. So now I'm looking at my tight end spot. So now putting the defense back down to Seattle Seahawks range because I do not want duplicate skill position players if I can help it. I now have 5,200 salary more uh, to pick on a new tight end. And just to change it up, thinking of the other lineup we've built, I'm going to go ahead and play uh, Chig Akonkwu, tight end for the Tennessee Titans. I'm going to play him at tight end in this lineup instead. And there's a couple reasons for that. I know, in, I know that in another lineup, I have a Derrick Henry lineup. What is going to be the main cause of success for Derrick Henry in week one? Touchdowns, more than likely. He can run for 150 yards, but if he doesn't score a touchdown, he's not making value. So I'm playing Okonkwu in this other line that doesn't have Henry because if Henry doesn't score the touchdowns, it's likely, or at least there's a fair chance, that at the goal line, they either threw to DeAndre Hopkins on a short route or they threw to, to a Conquo. So at least I could still get that touchdown in my, uh, in my lineups on this side of, of the lineup builds, even if it doesn't end up working out for me with Derrick Henry in the other lineup builds. You always want to be looking for those exposures and try to diversify. At the end of the day, if you are uniform in one position pick across all your lineups, be uniform in defense. Defense is the most unpredictable uh, aspect of DFS still. I wish, honestly, they would get rid of it. But for now, we still have it. And it's not to say that you can't predict what defenses should at least give you some points. But every week, you don't know what defense is going to get a pick six. It's, it's a lot of it is random. So that is still the most random part of DFS. It's okay to be uniform across the board. 
in your defense pick. And I would much rather be uniform across the board in my defense pick than in a player spot. So I'm going to run a Konkwu back in that Herbert lineup instead. And now that lineup still has 100 left over. I did look down at the defenses I had listed. I didn't have a 4,300 defense that I had listed as an option for myself. So at that point, that lineup build is done. And there we have it. That is how you go from the concept of the player pool to building your player pool to now you see what the actual lineup construction should look like. Again, the main points of constructing the lineup, taking it from the player pool to an actual built lineup is you got to lay your foundation. You got to get to your base, whether that's a quarterback game stack or a naked quarterback stack. Then you got to start correlating your secondary picks and covering the exposures out of your player pool. You want to play as many of your preferred players in your player pool that you had listed as you can. And finally, when you're done with all that, raise the foundation by either upgrading any leftover salary, using that to upgrade either your bargain bin tied in or your defense. And finally, give all your lineups when you've built them all a look and diversify where appropriate. Do not mess with your base stacks. Do not do anything other than to maybe tweak or change your tight end spot and your defense. Do not change your tight end spot or defense purely to be different. There still needs to be a reason, some logic behind the choice. And I think I was able to show that there at the end of that lineup build. So again, there you have it. Remember when you go to build more than the two lineups we built today, when you go to build your five lineups all the way up to nine lineups, uh, start with the quarterback game stacks and then, then end by making your naked quarterback stacks and use the naked quarterback stacks to cover the slate breakers that you weren't able to correlate in the quarterback game stacks. And that will do it for today's episode. Part two is coming at you this Tuesday. We'll go over final tweaks to the process. We'll go more in depth on covering your exposures. We'll talk more about game stacks and correlating, and we'll try to tidy up any loose ends before we head into next Friday's week one preview show. I want to thank everybody for listening. I hope as we were jumping through that lineup build, that made sense. I will say I listened to other podcasts as well. And there are times I got to re-listen to certain episodes just to really capture the concepts or the teachings that they that they're giving in, in their uh, podcast. There's a, a podcast uh, on Ross Tucker's a podcast every year where he goes it's I think it's a two-parter but he goes through every NFL offensive line I probably listen to those two episodes five to ten times each so if there's ever an episode in the player pool that you need to re-listen to it it might be this one so don't feel bad about going back and listening to the steps again or if you are completely stumped and everything I said was complete gibberish shoot me an email at the player pool podcast at gmail.com Again, don't forget, follow us on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. You can subscribe to us on there. Part two is coming at you Tuesday. We'll see you next time. Thanks for listening to the Player Pool Podcast. You can find us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Player Pool Pod.